Welcome to the latest edition of the TA Disruptors podcast, and I'm delighted today to welcome Yasser Ahmad, um, Global VP uh, of Mobility, Talent and Reward yes. at HelloFresh. Uh, that's your day job, uh, Yasser, but as I um, understand it too, uh, you also do a lot of other things outside of that. Uh, you have your own blog, podcast. Uh, I know you have your own video cast as well. Uh, you have been co-founder or founder of, of various talent community networks as well and prolific user on LinkedIn and the organization formerly known as Twitter, now known as X. So it's no surprise, really, that uh, recruiter.co.uk recently named you as one of the most influential in-house TA leaders. And I also know, Yasser, that you are a sort of AI enthusiast and uh, general early adopter of technology. So well positioned, uh, I think, and knowledgeable to uh, help listeners of this podcast uh, think about what the impact of technology is going to be, uh, not just on uh, recruitment, but for organisations and perhaps even for them personally. So yeah. welcome to the podcast. Well, yes, thank sir. you. Firstly, thank you for having me. That was a great intro. I'm, <laughs> I don't think I do justice to other guests when I have my own podcast, but that was great. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, I'm super excited to be here. Uh, you kind of accurately described how I position myself when it comes to AI. I'm a, a very active user. And yeah, I'm, 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 I'm very keen to share my insights on artificial intelligence, especially generative AI. Brilliant. Well, let's let's start on that point, because I think one of the things we, we were talking about earlier is that people have different views of what is AI, what is generative AI, what does it mean, really? Perhaps, you know, from, from your perspective, be used from a TA perspective. Yeah. You know, yeah. Can you sort of share what you think that actually I, means? I think, so generative AI, some people treat it like Boolean search, right? You input something, you get something back. Um, I think a lot of people are very fearful of AI. They think it's just some machine that's going to take over the jobs. We know this, mm. we've heard this before. I think for me personally, the way I've treated it is a tool. Always a tool. I've always, I've actually majority of anything to do with online, I've treated as a tool. So before generative AI was a popular thing, um, I was kind of tinkering with uh, automation flow charts and tools like If This Then That or Zapier, Mm -hmm. trying to make my life easier. So the way I see it is um, generative AI, the reason why it's so popular, the reason why people are so excited about it is because it saves time, right? which is a massive commodity for us. It's doing stuff for us that we would spend longer doing. Now, for some people, that will scare them. For me, that excites me. That's yes. like, great, I don't have to do this anymore. Yes. Um, so that's how I look at generative AI. I look at it as a continuous iteration that's developing and developing into a, a, a method that will save me time. And if it does make some of my processes redundant, amazing. Yes. Well, it's, it's interesting, and I, I love your take on that, that it's it's a tool, first of all, and think of it like that. I, and I think no different from like a calculator, because I think yeah. sometimes um, anybody in, in recruitment uh, looks at technology sometimes with a little bit of worry and and concern as to oh this is you know i'm a people person i'm not a technology person yeah and and therefore tech can seem sort of quite scary when you're sort of pushed down that rabbit hole but actually if you look at it as a tool then i think that gives you a different perspective and i'm particularly interested in your point about time saving because i i i don't think there's a ta leader or manager out there that wouldn't like to get more time back I yeah. mean, we are overwhelmed, it seemed overworked. And, and in the last 12 months, a lot of TA teams have seen their resources cut back. So I'd, I'd love for you perhaps just to share how, how, how are, are you using it or what yeah. do you think the great time savers are? So uh, I think using this? Um, it's a really interesting question. I really like it because it's, I think it's not as complicated as people think right. it is. A lot of people use AI thinking that, okay, how is this going to improve my candidate experience? How is this going to improve my, uh, how can I capture 
interview notes quickly or can I do this? How can I do that? And the way I've looked at it is very simple. So my approach is always being a fast follower right. as opposed to uh, an early adop adopter. So it, it, AI right now, the majority of people using generative AI are not recruiters. If you look at the entire mm -hmm. user base, right? Mm -hmm. It's people trying to find ways to make their lives easier. So I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel when it comes to recruitment with generative AI. Instead, I'm looking at generic stuff I'm doing on a day-to-day -day basis where AI can reduce my time. So instead of looking at a process, I'm looking at my time. Okay. So time is the biggest commodity for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at my nine hours a day and I'm saying, okay, what do I spend time on right now that I don't need to spend time on? Could be replying to emails, sending notes, sending replies, could be... Um, generating a newsletter for up and coming mm. uh, results that we've, mm -hmm. we've delivered on. It could be uh, helping me structure a pro project, um, could be writing a paper, writing a response to a paper. Could be as simple as I need to figure out the best way to conflict manage a contentious topic within a policy. Yes. Um, and I asked generative AI. And it, so what, what I found is by focusing on those things, I've managed to eradicate probably 40, 50% of my workload. Really? As much as that? Massive amounts, huge amounts. And and you've been able to do that literally by, and do you use ChatGPT or what's the, uh, so, the so primary Gen AI tool that so you're using? I, I'm, I'm a simple person. So yes. I, I just went with ChatGPT. Okay. Um, but let me explain. So I don't overnight just imagine these things and think, okay, this is how I know how to input or I'm, yes. so I have, uh, I'm an active user on Twitter or X, um, now known as X. Um, and there are a couple of key individuals on X that you can find that really kind of pushing out new trial methods that are uh, new, um, techniques. Right. Yes. Right. And so with chat GBT four, there is the, um, uh, uh, option to use Into plugins like plugins to yeah, right. other so there's, applications for example there's a science plugin okay right so science plugin is connected to a database of 124,000 research papers so i ask you a question okay give you a very simple one uh provide me a white paper justifying promotions during the inter internal mobility process mm -hmm. and use data from science to and research to back this up. It'll then provide me a paper, but it'll also reference multiple researches. Then I'll say, okay, dumb it down, simple it, simplify it, okay, take that, and then that's my baseline or my foundation to work on. Yes. So that's already saved me research hours. Yes. The frame the framing of the conversation I can frame. So can you please pro provide the problem statement first, then this, then that. Uh, problem statement, two options then a solution, call to action, and then mention the post-action, what I'm planning on doing. Yes. So, so really being able to frame uh, what I want and being very clear about it, I wasn't very good at that. Right. But I've learned how to do that through observing. Yes. So a fast follower. Yes. So by watching. I like that. And okay. I think if you want to be successful with in the future, it's not about um, knowing everything. Mm -hmm. You don't have to memorize every technique. The key is, do you know where to go to get the latest resources on how to use it? Right. Um, I'd say this to any new person who joins my team. So we have a very large team, uh, roughly around about 200 people globally um, yeah. in, in, across the people mm -hmm. functions. And every time there's a new joiner, they feel overwhelmed. Mm. There's so many documents, so much paperwork, so many processes. And we have a, a TA website internally. So look, as long as you know there's a TA website, Yes. And how to navigate that website. You don't need to memorize anything. Yeah. Because when you need the information, you'll go. So it's having that point of uh, reference. Yes. That's really interesting. And I, I think that, you know, one of the things that holds people back in adoption of, of any uh, technology is, is, is how do you start and how do you learn? And everybody's frightened of perhaps being made to look foolish and you know i've seen quite a few people say oh i've used chat gpt and um you know and i didn't get very good responses and i think from what you've just shared on this is that actually it's an incredibly powerful tool and all you've got to do is just to iterate and learn a bit in its usage but it's actually not that hard and if it's that clarity of what are you trying to achieve and framing it Yep. And 
and and then really laying that out in yeah. in your instructions into ChatGPT, yeah. and perhaps iterating a bit on that because this is the first response that you know when you've used the science, and I like that as as an yeah. example. Now are you so accomplished that you actually you know exactly what you want in your questioning, so you get straight there? But in the early days, were you having to sort of iterate a bit to get it to to give something that was really good for you, rather than oh gosh, I've I've actually had to rewrite this and it didn't save me any time at all. No, I, I so no is the answer. I mm. actually, I so I think this is ingrained in me from an early age. So when I was at university when I'd struggled to write uh, a dissertation, right. I'd ask myself 20 questions. That would form, uh, That would f so what do I want to talk about? What is, is the topic recent? Has the topic been covered before? So I'd ask these questions so I know what I want. Then that is my, that's my kind of brainstorming summary. Yes. So in the same way with ChatGPT, I'd kind of almost adopted the same approach. So for example, more recently, um, I told my wife to use ChatGPT. So she, mm -hmm. we've, we purchased her apartment in a block in Scotland and um, the roof needed fixing. Yes. So we didn't know who, what, and anybody in the apartment. We just bought the place. So I said to her, go on ChatGPT and write it. She was like, oh, can you write me a letter? I was like, just go on there and write it. She was like, I don't know what to start. Yes. I said, well, you start by saying, you are, tell ChatGPT everything. So yes. you say, you speak to it as if you're telling someone your friend. Yes. Hi, I've just purchased this property on this date, and I I know there's six other people in the property. The property yes. name is this. Uh, we've noticed that the roof is leaking. The roof has started leaking here. Some of the tenants are renting. Some of the tenants are landlords or owners mm -hmm. of the property, etc., etc., etc. There is uh, some recent changes in the law based on this website, da, da, right. da, da, da. can you write me an email? Da, da. So so like you have to, the more you input, yes, the better the outcome. Yeah. And and if you treat it like a conversation, tell me, tell me what else you need from me before you write me the email. Then it will ask you the questions. So a lot of people treat ChatGPT as in, or any generative AI as in like one way. But actually if you ask it, hey, what do you need from me? Mm -hmm. to provide you okay. a proper response. Yes. That's probably the key um, to getting the best responses. Yes. No, I, I really like that. Thank you for sharing it. And I, I think, you know, the general advice for anybody around this mm -hmm. is um, experiment even with something that's personal and easy. I mean, I, yeah. I, I've told my team back in uh, April, I, I used ChatGPT to write my Mother's Day card. Oh, right. she, she's very talented and skilled at writing rhyming ditties. I, I, I have no skill in that whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but I literally asked ChatGPT to come up with a rhyming ditty for my mother and gave some inputs about things that my mother yeah. loves, dogs, horses, uh, gardening. And it was brilliant in yeah. coming up with it and rhyming it. And, and I think the thing that I found interesting about it was that I could say, right, could you inject a bit more humour yeah. into it? And, and, and so the... The point, I suppose, for everybody on this and what you were sharing there is that treat it almost like a, a friend or a yeah. uh, somebody that you're going to for advice and have that sort of conversational style. Yeah. And I, I'd like just to sort of follow that, that through a bit because it has really important implications for me in the recruitment process because... Yeah. We're and and I, I'd be interesting to hear from from Hello Fresh your perspective on diversity. You know that I think there's a big um, uh, countrywide and, and to some extent European wide challenge around social mobility. You mm. know there are lots of great jobs out there, but they're not always getting to to the broadest possible talent pool or being yeah. exposed to. So ChatGPT provides, generative AI provides, a bit like what you were saying from your university experience. Um, you know, if I'm struggling to write something, I'd ask 20 questions. Brilliant, ChatGPT can do that. And it, and it has the potential for being the great leveller in yeah. all of this, that yeah. those people. Is, is that how you see it and, and how you think it might bring some really strong benefits to the recruitment process? Yes and no. So so initially, I used to treat it. So human beings are generally irrational, right? Yes. We uh, 
we're there are so many cognitive biases yes. that, we, that affect our decision making so there's like over 150 um and so when we want to think of something we quite irrational in our thinking and we want to be rational it takes a little longer so for me i've always treated chat as the rational thinking to some of my rational thoughts mm, right. um and and i think when it comes to um being a level like creating more balance i think it's going to do almost the opposite okay. I've, um, I'm, I'm a bit i'm a believer that it's not going to wipe out uh the industry and kind of reduce it to uh, people who are successful and people who are unsuccessful because they use it. No, that's not going to happen. We know that's not going to happen because you can just look at history. You can look at every sort of revolution. You know, Photoshop came out. We still have artists that paint, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, there is uh, that aspect where there's a lot of fear mongering that's happening. We don't need to worry about that. I think it, what people need to do is be curious. Right. And I think that is the biggest thing that needs to be taught to uh, kids at school like the curiosity of trying to learn something new and just change that change and I think there it's like physics right um, when there's movement there's friction mm -hmm. and that's what's happening right there are people that, that looking at the friction instead of the movement yes and and what what do you think the friction is because the um, there's and I think that's the interesting part about uh, yeah. generative AI that the, there's there's a there's a plus and a minus like there is in many things that you were just yeah. referring to there. So the plus side is that um, generative AI will help you write something, a cover letter, a CV, um, uh, and cover up for any. Uh, poor grammar that you weren't taught at school yeah. will um, be able to uh, adjust your CV and some of the experiences that you've done that you may not have, have thought about as to how they might apply for a role. Yeah. So that's the plus side. What's the? Where do you see some of the friction then around that? And or or I mean, because the, the, there's the friction of sort of oh well, you know, we're going to lose jobs. But I also think, is yeah. there some friction of people either use it badly or, yeah, what are the other well, things that you think might be there? Kind of a bit of complacency from people just feeling like, uh, again, back to the rational thoughts where they think it's uh, going to take over their jobs, so thus they don't want to use it. Right. So, do you know, being a TA leader, I've, what I've learned over the years is uh, I've, I've had different budgets and I've implemented different tools. So for anybody listening, they could search... Uh, HelloFresh Tech TA Radar. Mm -hmm. We have a public radar where people can see what tools we use. Yes, I can tell you now that my team, and I love my team, they use a lot of the tools, but not everybody adopts them. Yes, They know the benefits of those tools, but they don't adopt them. Why is that? They fought for those tools, mm -hmm. but they still don't use them. Mm -hmm. And it's because they're rational and they're thinking, I can do this better than this, or yes. I don't need this to do my job. But initially it was like, yeah, this is perfect. Um, when I think of uh, generative AI, I, I was kind of just, while you were just speaking there, I was just thinking about like all the, the different types of people that I've met mm. and talked about this topic too. Mm -hmm. I think when when it comes to recruitment, we're very much focused on the human-shaped experience. Yes. Right? It's about like creating a, a best candidate experience and we just automatically assume computers can't do that or AI mm -hmm. generative AI can't do that. And so when I look at, like just to give you an example of a real life example, I don't use ChatGBT to respond to every email. Right. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. In fact, I use the op I do the opposite. So I use the sundown rule for general email. So I just, uh, if it's for me, I'll reply very quickly. Hey, this is the answer. If it's not for me, sorry, not for me. Mm -hmm. Not hi, how are you? Just very mm -hmm. quick. If it's for me, but I can't deal with it, hi, I'll come back to you by Friday. Acknowledgement. Right. Yes. So the concept of acknowledgement is a key part in the candidate experience. I think with um, Genitive AI, I, I think most people should be looking at it for more complex topics and not simple topics. So I know I said I use it mm -hmm. like every day mm -hmm. and I'm a simple person, but I use it to help me already articulate my thoughts okay okay so if i've got an idea yes and i want to pitch that idea yes i know i could speak to you one-on-one -on -one and get it really clear. like if i had an hour with you and i wanted to convince you that the world is flat 
I could probably come up with enough content over that hour to try to put a good argument together. Whereas if I know I've only got five minutes mm -hmm. and I need to do it in the best way possible and I've got an audience of five and six different people, I know you, but I don't know those other five people, so I don't yes. know how they're going to react. I might use generative AI to position my argument in the best way. Uh, I might ask it, can you um, research what is the best, best uh, pitching method? Yes. And they will come up with, hey, yes. you know, problem statement, solution one, solution two, problem statement two, solution one, solution two kind of thing. So... I think that's the way I've always looked at it. Okay. No, I I, I think that's incredibly useful uh, advice for, you know, for the TA teams on this. Yeah. The bit that I hear a lot of too, and I'd be interested to see whether you're seeing any of this as well, that um, there are more and more candidates using generative AI for their application. Yeah. And, and maybe in your process that doesn't matter. You don't have opportunities where people provide a cover letter or a cv in there but yeah. are you are you across your volume applications seeing ai being used and some of it well and some of it badly in terms of um, candidate applications we can definitely tell that, so we definitely know when someone's using it badly okay because you can yes. generally tell yes. uh like their their experience doesn't add up to what's being described in their job description you know if someone is a junior engineer and they're describing themselves as a principal engineer, you know that something's not right. Mm -hmm. But but that's an assumption, and I think assumptions are dangerous, yes. right? So, what the, I I personally think every candidate should use generative AI to help them articulate the thought. What would be yes. the fear? Yes. What's the problem? Let's imagine yes. everybody was great at using generative AI. What would happen? Like everybody being great at using a calculator, you exactly. know, they they don't have to worry about their mental maths. They'll just be good at doing the basic maths. Yeah. Exactly, and I think when it comes to generative AI, because of the scope it can cover, that's where the fear is. Well, if everybody's good at generative AI, then I wouldn't need engineers. I wouldn't need this. I wouldn't mm. need that. Mm -hmm. I just need you know people inputting. No, of course that's not how it works because generative AI is based on a foundation of data that was inputted in the first place that human beings create. So. Yes. I think there's an element where uh, I'm not fearful at all of candidates using generative AI. I encourage it. I think they should be able to articulate their thoughts as the best as they can. I'm also very confident in our recruitment process. So, yes. you know, that's just the entry. Yes. You still have to pick up, get on the phone call and speak mm. to our recruiters. Mm -hmm. I think when it comes to the future, though, there does need to be some sort of sense check on people's experience. So, like, my recruiters, what they'll typically do is if they'll look at LinkedIn profiles, they'll look at recommendations, they'll mm -hmm. look at the person's previous experience, the companies they've worked for, try to understand the projects that they worked on. I think when you're, when you can ask the question, okay, you worked at Spotify, what did you work on? Yes. What was the project you worked on? Generally, that that level of detail, generative AI can't really provide, or it can make it up, sure. But, you know, you'll get caught out eventually yes. when you do a technical assessment or when you go through the second round of interview and maybe we're not assessing technicality, maybe we're assessing emotional intelligence. Yes. And that's where I think the the assessing cognitive ability is very important as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think that's, yeah, that's something that Gen AI is, is not yeah. going to be able to uh, replace. Um, but I, I just... I, I, just to, to to go back to that point, and I think you're right about encouraging because it's really interesting. I, I was at an event uh, last week talking to people um, in early careers about and TA leaders there about what's your perspective on it. And um, uh, there was a lady from HSBC there saying internally, you know, they they are great believers in Gen AI. Um, also, somebody from Slaughter and May and. Their worry was, though, they, they felt that people should be using exactly your point on this. Yeah. But they, 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 they hadn't changed and hadn't made an announcement. So if you're a candidate, have you put anything on your career website, for example, to say, look, we don't mind if you use Gen I. In fact, yeah. it's great if you do, but we're still looking for human creativity on this. So use it, but use it carefully. I, th I think there needs to be some advice, doesn't there, going out yeah. to candidates on is this a good thing or a bad thing? So, so our generative AI, AI policy is 
going live soon. Okay. Uh, just need to finalize on the, the wording. But because you don't want to be the ones that kind of encourage it to the point where you don't know how people will use it in a malicious way. Yes. So what we will, what we're doing is more acknowledging it. So we know that generative AI exists. We know people are going to use it. We don't mind you using it, but we prefer to talk about people's skills and we want people to join us due to our values mm. and the, mm -hmm. the, you know, you'll be a part of a culture. So it's important to bring your true self and that's part of one of our values. And that's why during the interview process, we will ask you, or you would be recommended for you to share, you know, if there is any topics that you've kind of used Gen I on. I think when it comes to Gen I though, just one of the fear factors, uh, going back to your previous question mm. is, um, especially in the recruitment space, is data privacy. Yes. It's a huge topic. And I think we're generally quite uh, risk adverse. Uh, we do not want to uh, do anything that will get us in trouble. Right? Mm -hmm. um, so there is this a couple of, you know, I'm sure you've heard about it where generative AI has either made up things that yes. are not true yes. or they've leaked inf information is stored and other people are able to access it. I don't know about how true the other people are able to access it, but I did hear about this as well. So whatever you input is in forever. Yes. Right. You just got to assume that'll be right. in the public domain at some right. point, even if it may not be now. Right, exactly. So for me to say, hey, I've just purchased this property, da, 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 you know, you have to be very careful about what type of information you put in. And I think people are very, they've realized that that takes a bit of effort. The diligence and the auditing of your information. So oh, I can't be bothered. I don't want to mm. do that. Why am I going to make up random pseudonames when I'm trying to build a um, an email that's going to go out to all employees? I'll just you know, write it myself. I, I absolutely, you know, understand all of that. I, I, my my final question on this particular element is going back to something that you said earlier about Chrome extensions. Yeah. And I read something the other day that uh, that there's a Chrome extension that means you, at the click of a button, you can send off 400 personalised applications. The prompts are preset yeah. in order for you to um, indicate, you know, go to the HelloFresh career yeah. website, look at the job description, personalise it based on my inputs. Yeah. Are you worried at all that, you know, going back to some of the malicious side, you want people to use Gen AI, but there is a there's an automation and efficiency piece yeah. on this that at a click of a button you can send 400 applications no. that you're going to be inundated? And no, I'd, I think it's a great problem to have. <laughs> like someone saying to me, hey, you know, you're going to be inundated with CVs. Great. That's my problem to fix now. Yes. So yes. like we have uh, this concept in HelloFresh. We launched TA 4.0, which is basically um, transforming existing roles into more broader specialisms. So we had specialist roles like coordinators yes. and sources just doing sourcing. And we moved them from sourcing to sourcing and telemarketing and employee branding from coordination to coordination and talent intelligence. Right. Yes. So that was TA 4.0. 5.0 is turning candidates into customers. And 6.0 is one of the things we talk about um, where we're saying get rid of CVs. Nice. Well, right. you know, that's something that I'm very passionate about. Yeah. Right. Because okay. what's the, like, what if CVs, I don't know what the answer is. Yes. That was just, a, these are just innovation projects. So we have our delivery work, we have a process excellence work, which is our getting A to B improving, and then innovation work. And what I'm referencing is the innovation work. And that getting rid of CVs, like, what a beautiful problem to have. If if someone said, hey, yes, I, I, I don't apply for jobs, I just press this button, I apply for 5000 jobs. Well, genius, tell me how. Yes. Like, why, yes. why would I be fearful of that? Yes. What I need to now do is there's some work on my end, which is okay, I can't physically go through a million applications a month. So what you, what technology can I use to uh, evaluate all these profiles? Guess what I've done now? Two months ago, my recruiters were individually going through every single profile. Right. Now I've got a problem that's forcing me mm. into using technology to review it. Mm -hmm. Now, if I go to my team now and I say to them, hey, everyone, we're using AI and generative AI or some magical tool that's going to evaluate CVs, their immediate response is they, they won't know. It won't work. 
Yes. Yeah. They exactly. might be. They, well, they'll introduce bias. I think that's the biggest bias, thing that people right. are worrying about. So maybe I'm not giving my team enough credit. They're very uh, optimistic about tooling, but but there is some bias element. Yes. Now, okay, I get a million CVs. What does it do? It forces you. Yes. You. you there's no excuse. What are you supposed to do? Ignore yes. there's a million people. Yes. In the end, you know, people can either wait till they're forced to change. Yes. Or they can start changing now in yes. advance. So every time there is a hurdle, kind of look at it and say, well. Am I eventually? Am I going to deal with this hurdle now, or am I eventually going to have to deal with it when it turns into a mountain? I love that, Yasani. You're absolutely right, and it's how I think that you know we were talking a little bit earlier that yeah. the 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 excitement about Gen I is is about all the benefits it's going to bring, but but equally there is this tsunami that's going to happen because the efficiencies that are available to you are also available to a candidate, yeah. and I, I love your optimism around this, and and you know as a as a sort of technology software founder, I am you know a great believer of yes let's use it and if it creates a problem then let's find a solution to that problem yeah. rather than maintaining the status quo because. Yeah. You know the the CV for me is completely outdated in yeah. in a world of Gen AI digitization, yeah. um, social mobility, and so I think what you're suggesting, and I love the a you know I think that's great advice to people, which yeah. is look Gen AI Gen AI is out there, so you've got two options: you, yeah. you you either sit there and wait for this to suddenly become an issue, and then you have to deal with it, or you plan in the way that you're doing and, I, and I'd, I'd like to explore a little bit more the how you are setting out that sort of roadmap as it were because yeah. obviously in the software world that roadmap is is big how we operate and it seems that you have one for talent acquisition but one of which is to say right I think technology is going to change things the CV is something that we uh, should really question and yeah. and therefore you're planning with you're saying TA 6.0 yeah. So what are the what are the building blocks that that you're thinking about in order to get to that point and yeah. and what do you th- do you, do you have any idea of of the big thing for everybody is well what's the alternative to yeah. a CV? Well, so we're not there yet. We're, we're, these are just ideas, right? Mm. So I always like to kind of forecast the future to some degree. It gets the team excited. They're like, okay, great. You know, there's something to look forward to. Yes. We know that, okay, we're right now we're doing the transitioning of the roles. We're now working on turning candidates into customers, which is a nice one, turning mm. a, a cost center into a profit center. But the future, you know, what else could we change? What is the status quo that we could break, right? Um, just interestingly enough, though, like, what you said there, how could CVs disappear? But I, I think there's loads of ways that can happen. A very simple way is like, let's take the example of LinkedIn. Yes, LinkedIn could do a very simple thing where they have the public profile and an application profile. Right now, most people will not put too much information on their public profile mm. because in the fear of being judged by their colleagues and peers. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, if I put this in, I might be inflating what I'm actually doing and I might get called out for it. If LinkedIn created an application profile, so it's private, only available to recruiters and when you apply, suddenly that eradicates that. And you're already using the foundations of the data you've provided. Plus then you can add your extra projects and details and whatnot. Yes, yes. Um, And and so that that is a very quick fix to some degree. But that's basis of LinkedIn. Um, You've got the alternative option is that maybe people should be asking questions in the in the application process but that's not candidate friendly right the, what you'll end up is with uh, people kind of copying pasting or using chat yeah, GPT to fill yeah. those in um, for me I think we're so what I'm going to say next can be slightly controversial so uh, but I'll say it because I'm being very honest uh, um, we almost want people to self-disqualify we want yes. a lot of people to disqualify themselves out. So we've made our application process harder um, because we know, but before doing that, we've looked at the entire funnel. So most people look at application to hire. No, the funnel is awareness, mm-hmm. consideration. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and like so, a sort of buying decision. Exactly. Yes. So what we've said is, okay, instead of trying to get people to just apply, 
like watching a job ad, we want them to um, hear about an event we're doing, sign up to the event, watch, go to the event. Then from that event, we want them to sign up to our newsletter, from the newsletter to the community, from the community to join another event, maybe refer someone, read the stuff that we're doing to the point where they're like, actually, I don't care how hard it is. Yes. I want to work for this company. And that to me is the most important factor because what that does is the starting point of engagement is in the 90th percentile as opposed to most people starting applications not even remembering which applications they're starting and starting at like the 10, 20, 30%. Unlike that, if you're applying for a, a Nike, you'll generally remember you applied for a Nike. Mm -hmm. Whereas you're applying for, I don't know, Plymouth Sports or something, you just, it's not a brand you recognize. So I think for HelloFresh, yes, we're a brand that a lot of people recognize, but mm. not, uh, for a lot of people, they also don't recognize it. We're not like uh, quite a household name. Yes. Um, so, but applying that to any company, whether you're the BBC or you're Nike or you're Amazon, I think um, just keeping that in mind is is very helpful. Yeah, I, and it's really interesting because I think that is a controversial point about making the recruitment process harder because everything... I've heard about in the last five years is I don't like the term war on talent because war is such a, an aggressive term, but yeah. the, the, there has been this sort of um, constant you know, fight for, for finding talent out there because we've had more jobs than we've had people. And so everything has been about the Canada experience, make it super yeah. easy, almost the Amazon one click to buy, one click to yeah. apply. That's the only way that you'll get um, people into your organisation. But I think what you're saying is that... Which is weird, by the way. It's it very, is. very bizarre. Yes, that, that actually values, um, yeah. soft skills are important now. Yeah. And the only way you can demonstrate those and that's part and i like your thinking on this part of replacing the cv because the cv was just just tell me stuff that you've done yeah. and it's all yeah. hard skills it doesn't bring out your values or your soft skills it, it's no. not it was never designed for that that you use the process to to learn about the organization perhaps learn a little bit about yourself and how that mirrors to yeah. the organization you're applying for and by the time you actually get to applying you've you you're you're motivated i suppose yeah. to go through a slightly harder one if you make it too easy then actually there are no hurdles no self-selection yeah. you, you can't bring out the soft skills so maybe you can get you know in your thinking where 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 do you think some of the barriers are in the rec recruitment process you've got to lift it up a bit yep, yep. and because we're, we're in a different world now and the recruitment process we had in the past is probably not fit for purpose yeah for yeah, the yeah. kind of things you're so, saying we need in the future so i gave my so i speak to caro uh, who's my uh, global head of employer branding and telemarketing she also manages the sourcing you know when we were talking she's she's amazing right so she's very forward thinking when it comes to um conversion ratios so she looks right. at it almost like a sales funnel. And she, we were kind of de deliberating at the beginning of the year, what would be an ideal conversion ratio of someone coming through the application process? And we set ourselves the target of prospected candidates, so people we reach out to, and then people coming through application. And just to give you an example, prospecting candidates, we said, okay, if the sourcing team or whatever team provides a candidate to a hiring manager, let's say 10, mm -hmm. seven of those 10, so 70%, have to go through to the first level interview. Right. So it's quite a high percentage, yes. generally speaking, 70%. Mm, it is. And, and typically we'll submit five profiles. So, you, you know, four, four out of five is what's, mm -hmm. what we're aiming for. Then the second conversion ratio is in the 40 to 50%, which is still quite a high ratio. You're yes. talking about two to three being in the final to offer stage. Mm. Um, so I think one of the ways that, companies can almost ensure that there's a proper process in place is really looking at their conversion ratios again. What a lot of people will do is look at the last 12 months and say, okay, we, we've typically done 12% or 15% conversion ratio, probably about 8 9% of applications to first level interview or whatever it may be. What if you wanted that to be 70? How do you work backwards to get that done? Yes. Well, okay, what don't you want? You don't want people with this much, exp uh, with no experience. Okay, well, we can't say that. 
why can't you say it? Why can't you say, hey, we don't want anybody that doesn't have any experience? Well, what is the purpose? Well, you're going to be working on this project, which is um, not a new project. Uh, let's say payments, checkout. And yeah, it, the, the, the job description clearly describes that if the checkout of uh, HelloFresh's system is shut down for one minute, 20 million euros is lost. So the significance and the importance of the role is clearer. You, can, you can't just learn that from a job description. Yes. Right? So what you could do, what we could do, is we could be talking about a checkout period a month in advance in webinars, events, etc. So the people that are interested in that topic know about it. Then we pull it into a newsletter. From the newsletter, we then pull it into reaching out to them. Hey, we've just got this new role, software engineer for checkouts. And these but they've already kind of thought about it. And when we're mm. they're applying for it, there's already some... Now, doing that on scale is quite a task. And that's where I think generative AI can help. Yeah. Because you've got this kind of guerrilla marketing techniques that already exist in, in with geofencing. So if a competing podcast wanted to advertise to everybody in this building, mm-hmm. they would put a geofence around right. it. And then when you go onto LinkedIn, you'd see, or Instagram, you'd see this podcast. And you're like, oh, that's a bit odd. And, that, and that's how it that's how part of advertising works and the other part of advertising is based on you know cookies what you've searched you open up your instagram or any social site you think it's listening to you but it's not mm-hmm. it's also very predictive and also if you've got uh, instagram and i've got instagram based on what you've searched and my proximity of you there could be a quite a high chance that we're talking about the same topic that you recently searched so it'll come up on my phone that could possibly happen in in the recruitment world yes it would be amazing wouldn't it just the concept of that so so for me i'm like almost like hurry up everybody let's get on the bandwagon Mm -hmm. together Mm -hmm. let's get down this route because that's when we can truly brainstorm about what this is i don't know what the answer is that's the reality and i've never tried to get the answer yes what i've tried to do is copy and paste as quickly as possible and add my extra bit on top I think that's like if you're a TA leader listening right now, trying to innovate the recruitment process on your own first time, don't do it. You're wasting yep. your time. Yep. It's not a value added task. If you were to if you were to map out the things that are gonna add you value, it's the least valuable task. In fact, you're better off just going back over your entire process and saying, Where are the manual tasks? Mm-hmm. Where am I spending time? Oh, you know, my team's manually creating contracts. Think about DocuSign, <laughs> you know, simple yeah, simple yeah, stuff like yeah, that. So like yeah. back to basics. Um, and then just constantly observe. Yeah. Constantly observe. And and observing isn't, you know, reading two, three, four hours worth of articles every day. Observing is getting really good at knowing where you will find practical advice. So I don't read uh, TechCrunch or any of those magazines or any of the, because I know that whatever they're going to give me is very bland. Mm-hmm. Instead, I found four, five, six people, and every so often they retweet people and they give you literally examples of what they've done. And that's the easiest way for me to learn. And I've shared that with my team as well. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Yes. And, uh, you know, the, the, the things that you're saying around this is that even somebody like you, and I find that very humbling when you, you say that, in somebody who's who's so thoughtful clearly you know has has looked at this space experimented with technology early on you you are happy to admit that you don't have the answers on this and that part of finding the answers is not trying to pretend that you have to come up with them that actually there are things that you can do to, to to on the journey to get to the answers, which yeah. is look at look at the things that that you know you're doing at the moment, and either in, in your case you've got you know quite a forward thinking team, so you can be a bit more forward thinking in what you look at. But there may be others who you know I, I still come across organisations that I was speaking to one the other day that look through tens of thousands of CVs yeah. every year and they have a team of people staring at CVs. Right. And and you, th- you think, why on earth are they, they doing that now? And it, yeah. it may be that sort of sort of fear of automation. It may be trying to make yeah. it human the approach to it. But actually I, I think 
you're, you're, you're not doing either yourself or the candidate a favour yeah. when you're spending five seconds looking at a CV and technology can really help on that. So I like the way that you suggest to people that, you know, you don't have to go straight into the fast lane. Yeah. You could be going to the slow lane and just looking at some improvements around this. I, I just, it's It's quite, to some degree, it's quite sad how we look at the industry right now but i always find that you you get these golden nuggets looking at the past yes um my mum was describing to me the other day about how she applied for a job in a supermarket she rang them they said turn up they did an assessment she got the job the same day now don't think that's gonna work for everybody but Mm -hmm. what if you're a software engineer and you don't want to you've figured out a a genius way to apply to 5,000 roles and suddenly this one company replies back saying yeah you've got an interview what if that interview is just a set of technical assessments Mm. now you pass those technical assessments then the second interview is a bunch of behavioral questions all automated to get you to that qualification so your interview process sounds like it's five steps the human element is only two steps three steps is that you could argue that's not five steps. Actually, the application process is three steps and then the interview process is two steps. So it's like how you look at it. Yes. I think that's very Break important. Break it down. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, you know, part of reducing the fear a bit yeah. around this too is to uh, segment it a bit as well. And um, and I think your advice too is, is not just about the candidate experience here it is it is it is the whole of uh what you want to achieve really and i I like your point about and i think my sort of final uh perspective on all of this would be about what are you what are you trying to achieve at the end and i love the way that you break that down and the metrics um that are in there because i I, certainly when i I, because i didn't start in this sector and when i came in nine years ago into it, I was amazed that the metric of success, certainly in early careers, was just the total volume of people that had applied. And had we got more people to apply this year than we did last year, as if that was, you know, the the, the ultimate uh, measure of success, as opposed to did we get better candidates? Yeah. Was well, when the hiring manager, their time, their crucial time, did the two people that they had at this final interview on that work, could, were they so yeah. good that they couldn't choose between both yeah. of them? That's why I'm saying, so it's quite sad that the vanity metric, people yes. have concluded on the vanity metric, this is our metric for success has been concluded on, which is where I think generative AI is now questioning people's thought process on some of these things. People are like, I don't feel comfortable questioning. I I know that this is the best way to do the job. Yes. Well, n- not necessarily. What if, like you said, what if you just get 20 candidates and all 20 get hired? Wouldn't that be a dream come true? Yeah. So yeah. I think working backwards is always very important mm. as well. Mm. For us in HelloFresh, so we just to kind of talk about what we're planning on doing, we, we looked at our TA strategy for 2024. We're just building it up now. And some of the things we've just said is, um, we've done a lot. We've built the teams up. We've got new functions, talent intelligence functions, candy experience, talent operations, sourcing, telemarketing. Um, we've got executive, we've got commercial teams, spe- specialist in commercial recruiters, specialist tech recruiters. We've got a SWAT team, which sits on top of everything, which basically is when there's a problem, they come in and they deal with it, principal right. recruiters. And then on top of all of that, we've got TA as a service, which is for all the markets that are up and coming, we can lend them our recruiters as a service and charge them out to the markets mm-hmm. and then they would uh, pay us back. So we've we've almost created a, a business in itself and that's amazing. So what do you do next? Like our recruitment, time to hire is great, time to start is great, time to fill is great. Um, when I say great, I mean it could always be better. Sure. Um, but if we were to sit down in a room with my team, they were like, okay, how do we make it two days better, three days better? And I think that's where a lot of people, if I had to say, hey, I want to hire someone in 24 hours. Now, suddenly the conversation is like, that's impossible. Yes. Or is it impossible? Yes. And so Greta, who's part of my team, I hired her in 24 hours. So I reached out to her in like, she reached out to me, or I think it was like 9 a.m. 
interviewed at 11, had a second interview at like two, third interview at four, offered at six. You know, cause so it can happen. But that's that's a very manual driven approach. What if I wanted to do that um, at scale? How do I do that? And I think those are the conversations we're not really having because we don't have enough time to think about them. Yes. Yes, I, I, we could talk. I so enjoyed this conversation and we could yeah. talk, you know, a lot on there. And it's, it's, it's brilliant. Thank you for sharing your philosophy and how you approach things within your TA team and what you're looking for 2024, but generally around generative AI. And I think what I've taken away from today is that we, generative AI is, is, is out there. It's a tsunami that's coming. And as you so rightly said, we can either wait for that tsunami to hit us or we can start planning for it in the way that you're planning for it. And I really loved your advice because it it sort of fits with the entrepreneur in me too, which is it's actually good if there's a problem coming because it forces you to rethink and challenge and make those improvements because otherwise we just end up doing little micro improvements that don't really make a difference. And actually, you want something that's really challenging to to move your thinking forward, move your organisation forward. And you've shared some some really brilliant things that people can and should be thinking about. And I've loved speaking to you. I hope we get a chance uh, in the future to talk more again because um, there's there's a lot of great things that you've been able to share, and there's yeah. much that I've learned, and I think many others can from you. Thank you. Honestly, I didn't realise we were coming to the end of this. I was thought, oh, I've still got another 20, 30 minutes. Um, no, I really enjoyed the conversation. There's a lot that can still be said and maybe I didn't dive enough into the topics. But, you know, I think just to leave a, a last thought for the audience here, um, you know, I've said this for a long time. People should be trying to solve pro- uh, problems, not processes. And I think that just focusing on the bigger picture, not being fearful um, and just even if it's five minutes or two minutes or three minutes, that's better than waiting until it's a problem. Like as the amount of time you can spend on these things, if, if, if you don't get it the first time, second time, third time, fourth, you know, it's like you got to try again. you got to fail a few times. If you didn't fail, if you don't fail, then you're not succeeding and, you know, kind of iterating. So, um, yeah, I just say that to the audience that, you know, it, it's not that scary. Yeah great thoughts and I, I think you're right that that don't be frightened of yeah. making some mistakes i think sometimes in ta we are worried about that yeah and actually you you have to fail to move forward on that yeah brilliant Amazing. thank you thank you for having me thanks for listening if you found the insights in this episode valuable don't forget to hit the subscribe button to keep up to date with our latest episodes and if you have a moment please do rate and review the podcast. Apparently, it helps more people like you find us.